and the principles are finished. Right. All right. Mm. Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Review Show. We are later than usual with this weekend's review because, yet again, it is another defeat for Sunderland as we clocked up our fourth in a row by losing 1-0 in Norwich City at Carroll Road. Um, We didn't really fancy doing it and I've got a mouthful of pretzels, so um, it's not started well, but I suppose we have to do the bad reviews if we want to do the good. So here we are. We can't just glory hunt. To join me is one man who made the trek down to Norwich, first and foremost, Bradley Sharp. Brad, uh, I'm pleased to do it 24 hours later because the group chat was not a nice place yesterday. But how are you doing today? All right. Yeah. Um, can't remember the group chat. I'll have to look back on it, really. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not bad, mate. Just disappointed again. Mm. But, man. We move. Big, big, big second half needed. <laughs> big 45 needed. Uh, Dave, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, probably the same feeling as the rest of us. Um, I'm not even sure what apathy is the word anymore, is it? It's um, doom and gloom. Let's mm. hope, we, uh, let's hope we, we have a bit of a whinge and, and someone prove us wrong, because for all the times for balance that we've said oh you know we'll bounce back a game later we're now four defeats in a row we got two really tough games on paper yeah not too much to be cheery about is there I just want to point out that was we are saying that just let just to inject some tiny bit of positivity which has no con which has context to it by the way um but we did once beat Southampton five nil once and um, if you want to remember how things were when things were good, like four months ago. Um, but Brad, obviously, we're, we're not happy um, and we can't really hide it too much. So we are going to go into listeners' questions probably earlier than we expected. Uh, we normally leave them to the end, but you were at the game yesterday, Brad. You made the long track down, you poor bugger. Uh, like I say, you've had 24 hours to think about it and mull over it as the... I don't even know if anger is the right word, but has the disappointment subsided at all? No, it's just constant disappointment now. I think I'm at the level I'm going to hit of feeling how I do. Um, I just can't see a plan. Like, I, I, I just can't get my head around anything that we're trying to do at the moment. We finally put the big man up front and look, he's been atrocious this season, apart from one or two little bits where he's looked okay for the five minutes it came on. And we, we said last week he looked all right when he came on. Um, but then to start with him, still play inverted wingers and not put a ball in the box, is it's just shocking. It, it's it's poor coaching. Um, and then when he goes off, we start peppering balls in the box. I, I, I just can't get my head around it. Um, I think... You could tell in the crowd when you were in there yesterday what it didn't feel like a proper away day. We were quite flat. And that's the first time I think I've been in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, uh, the away end and felt like that for quite a while. But that comes off, we've, we've got nothing to sing about, nothing to shout about on the pitch. 
it just everything just seems so flat. And I, I mean, I said it on Twitter or X yesterday. I'm not going to have a go at the Burns, the lads for effort, but I just think the whole mid-season change from where their mentality where their mentality was, which was a lot of go and express yourself or sit and see what happens, to then Mick Beale coming in probably is tactic overload. And then maybe he's trying to go back to a little bit more what they used to, but without having the flair player, the two flair players on the wing, which changed games really. I know Roberts hasn't got the numbers this year, but we're a much better team with him in the side and no one will tell me different. To maybe he's, we're overthinking it now and he's just overloading these lads with too much information that they don't they don't know the right from the left. I'll ask from the elbow if I want to quote you. Um. So yeah, it's it's not great, mate. It it really isn't, and like you've said, it doesn't get any easier. With Leicester and Southampton, it's been another bit of positivity. I think Leicester's lost the last three. Have they? I think they have. They lost against Borough. They lost against QPR, and they lost against Leeds. I'm googling this. Um, and look, they've lost against Borough and QPR. They're not in great form either. They're not great teams. And both of them were at Leicester. I know we've got them at the stadium where we look a little bit better. Um, so if you want to try and take some more positivity into this week, is Leicester starting to have a bit of a wobble? Um, I'm still yes. not confident. Yes, they have lost their last three. And yes, they might fit their wobble, but I'm not 100% sure whether Sunderland, who've lost their last four, can... <laughs> Yeah, but you know, I'm just trying to put a bit of a positive nah. on the game. Uh-huh. But I have no confidence that we'll pick up any points off these next two games. Nah, I just, I just can't see where it's going to come from. We just don't look dangerous, and we look like we can lead goals. I, I'm, I'm just not very. By the end of the, the, the Southampton game, mate, we could be seriously looking over our shoulder. I was saving Grace from possibly not being in the relegation battle. Is there's about 10 teams between us, eight teams. Mm-hmm. So all eight teams ain't going to hell of a one and they do play each other. But we could be looking over our shoulder. I did want to ask that um, to you, Dave, about relegation, because I think without going too deep down a, a hole here um, of like mindset and kind of sports psychology, Momentum is really big, and the fear of a fan base of being dragged into a relegation a relegation battle is far worse than the kind of hope that we might actually end up randomly fluking the playoffs again. In reality, they're, they're both as equally as possible as the other because it's what twelve games isn't left, ten games or something, and you never know what might happen. But obviously, you have more of a fear that we could get dragged into because of the recent form that we've had. Um. But I suppose you've got, I think, Stoke have Leeds next. So if we're starting from there, we, we should realistically be okay. Um, But have you got any concerns about kind of getting dragged into anything? Or do you think this is going to just end up being in a season that's not a playoff, it's not a relegation, it's just a bit of a meh? At one point this season, I have no doubt that the team's below us. We'll go on a bit of a run. I said before Swansea, we'd be four points from 15. And that was us taking something from Swansea, <laughs> which we didn't do. 
um, War Betide Us, if we get to the QPR game and they've gone on like a three-game winning spree and we've lost six, which has potential because the problem is the stadium light then gets turned into vitriol. Everyone gets on the players' back. We've seen it a million times and and that's what, when you hear the term doing a Sunland, this season has got doing a Sunland all over it. I don't, I think we've got enough points on the board to pick up another couple of wins as we go. I mean, it's ridiculous that we're sat here talking about 12 games left in a season and we're hoping for two wins to keep us out of trouble. But I genuinely think that's where we're at. Um, everything's just a bit bleak at the minute no matter where you turn no matter where you go it's horrible and 60 feet on the spin man Jesus what has happened to us it's frustrating as you like because when we move Mowbray on and correct us if I'm wrong because I'm not the stato out of us lot but we were one point outside the playoffs yeah but we were two wins and nine I think what a take yeah yeah everything for balance and, and that's totally fair enough but Birmingham, Birmingham, 10 men yesterday, and obviously Mowbray isn't there, it's Venus. But I kind of wish we were putting up the fight and scoring a few goals and getting beat off Southampton in the 95th minute than what I feel we'll get beat off Southampton next Saturday. I think the, and I don't know what you think this, Brad, but I think a lot of times when we were getting beat, like it was dead frustrating, like the, the Plymouth game away, Swansea game when they had 10 men in that, it was really frustrating. And it felt like we were like repeating ourselves, going, "Oh, we just can't score goals." But um, there was an element of like for a long, long time, even when you got beat, particularly last season. To be fair, as opposed to this season, where you got beat, you still kind of felt quite hopeful and stuff. But I don't really know where to come in. But I think it's coming from right at the very top, in my opinion. Like, I think it would be probably quite easy for us to blame Beal, and Beal's definitely got. Abil's appointment definitely has not helped things. But I think a lot of it comes from the decisions right from the top. And I mean, like from the summer onwards, they didn't really get what we needed in the summer. And they certainly didn't get what we need in this window. Um, I mean, we signed a allegedly decent defensive midfielder from League One and we played him on right wing or left wing. He looks awful in those positions to be. I know it's only two games, but he doesn't look like he's going to pull up any trees for the want of a better word. And I think the recruitment team from the summer sold the club short in terms of what they brought in. Um, there's a big question mark around Job at the moment. He's playing every single week, even though he's bang out of form. And I, I personally think it's not because he's not a good player. I think he's just knackered. I think we're seeing a bit of Callum Doyleism, if you know what I mean. Um but even like Equa and that in the middle, we're just we're playing these young lads like non-stop and they've got no direction. We touched on it last week and I'm just repeating myself, but there's just no direction there on the pitch, no off the pitch. And you said before at the start, Brad, like I don't really know what the plan is. And I kind of agree. And I think that's sort of where that apathy and that despondency comes from. Because I think if you're 10th and you've, you know, you've gone close in a couple of games or you've missed a couple of chances or you can see a bit of like quality coming through or some the good players from January, like molding together well. You'd sort of go, well, okay. 
But I think the defeats are just racking up and kind of having almost like, I don't even feel like the fan base is that angry at the minute, really. Which is a bit of a worry, because I think when you're angry, you're still caring. I think it's getting to a point where there's like a big level of apathy at the minute. Um, and I think apathy is even worse because when you stop caring, I mean, you'll always care. But when you start becoming like despondent to what's happening on the pitch, the team often reflects that as well. And that's not the fans' fault. I just think the lack of direction has caused a real problem. And I think the lack of direction, you know, all the worries we had at the start of the season and then would beat Southampton 5 0 and you go, well, maybe the recruitment team's doing all right. You know, these lads are shining on the pitch and all this kind of stuff. But all the sort of worries you had that we were, the model was too, um, too stringent in signing only young players, didn't have enough experience, that we weren't signing the right players in the right positions. All the worries I think that most of the fan base had is like coming to fruition. And I think it's making you kind of go, well, I told you that. And then mix that in with kind of what's happened from the board's perspective. And we'll go right back to the summer when like, the off-the-pitch stuff was a bit dodgy and we were getting run, a bit stupid in the ticket office stuff. And then the debacle with the derby. And then you kind of go, well, hang on a minute. There's like a running theme here. And I think the appointment of Beale was like, the, like it solidified that you were like, hang on, I don't know what the board's doing here. I think they're wigging it. I don't actually think they've got a plan here. I think they're just winging it. And I think anyone or a lot of people who had a bit of faith in the model or kind of were like on the fence or... Thought, you know, the board's done some good things and um, all that kind of stuff. I think people are now starting to go, well, hang on a minute. Like, there's too many things I like matching up here. Um, but we've, we've done the death of stuff that's wrong off the pitch. And at the minute, I can't really change it. That's up to them to change it, Brad. What do you think we're lacking on the pitch at the minute? Leaders. It's, it's such an obvious answer, isn't it? I knew you were going to say that. And I knew the answer. It is as simple as that. Um, we're lacking leaders and we're lacking quality. And we're, we're la- you can go even further and you say we're lacking depth to allow the likes of Job and Equat to come out, have a rest, and you're replacing them with players of a similar similar level or better. I don't know what Chris Wigg needs to do to get a start. Because, like, he'd done more in 10, 15 minutes yesterday then I think Equa, Job, especially them and Styles, have done in the last however many games. I know Equa and Job scored against Plymouth, yada, 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 fair enough. But Chris Rigg actually looked like he wanted to get them the ball and drive us forward with a bit of urgency. Barr looked better when he came on. It, it just goes to show he's probably better coming off the bench against tired legs. But... We're lacking leaders on that pitch. And I, I say I don't know what we need to do to see Chris Wigg get a start. There's no better time now, after four defeats in a row, is to start throwing two up front. Because you've got no excuse not doing that. If you, we need to see some change. There's no point doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I think a, a very intelligent man said that. It's... Yeah. <laughs> I, do, it's I, Einstein. Do, I do like, though, like, no, it's attributed to Einstein, but apparently it wasn't him. Um, but that's for another podcast for another day, I oh, guess. Oh, maybe Gandhi then. Someone like that. It'll be someone who's got more <laughs> knowledge than us, so you put together. But I think, like, with I agree with Rick, because I'd really like to see Rick start. 
But again, I feel like he needs experience alongside him. He deserves experience alongside him, should I say. I think the kid's got a lot of talent and I'd really like to see him start because if we're going to go with kids, then we might as well just play him and we can't really bring anyone experience in now unless it's a free transfer, which, I mean, I can't imagine who that would be. You, you're kind of hoping Corey Evans comes back, but he's been out for over a year, 14 months in total. So, like, but Rick can come in and he's looked the right ones come off the bench, but is it even fair on him because he's gotten out around him? I mean, there's already people questioning whether Bellingham's that good when it's quite obvious the kid just needs a rest. And he hasn't got any leaders around him to get, to guide him through. You know what? You know what I fear. Um, in the summer, I know Evans will pop- <laughs> <laughs> Evans will probably leave, even though yeah. we've like managed him through his rehab. And I'm I'm calling it now. Christian Speakman will come out because we won't sign any experience, and he'll say Dan Neal's one of our experienced players. Now he's played over a hundred and odd games. We class him as the experienced head. Which okay, fine. Where's the backup to that as well? I can guarantee you, Dan Neal will be made club captain in the summer, and Speakman will say that's our experienced player, and the kid will be twenty-two hitting twenty-three, and that's not acceptable for me. I just don't think like you look at the players that we brought in. Our best players have been like young um, talents, like Jack Clark, Dan Ballard, to name two, um, who massive misses again. But when they came to the club, that they, they played like a full season of championship football, if not two, if not more. Um, and in Jack Clark's case, not often, but a bit higher up with Leeds. And then I think sporadically with Spurs. So you can quite clearly see that the ones with a bit more experience are already ahead of the ones that have absolutely none. And I think when you look around the pitch, we're talking about like it lacking leaders. It's so inexperienced. These are not just young kids with a bit of talent. It's like proper inexperience. Like, Ekwa's not played a full season of football yet. I mean, I suppose you could say technically Hasker's gone from January to January, but he didn't really get in our team until about April last year. So he's only just approaching a year's worth of football. That's not even a full year, really, because you've got the preseason. And then alongside him, you've got like, I mean, I suppose you've got one nine. There's a bit of experience. But that Yelder's barely played for any team, really. Um, Hume's sort of into his, you could say, his first full season, because he only really got on the team last December, the Birmingham game, I think, and he's probably one of the more leader-ish players on the pitch. There's just there's inexperience all over the pitch where, yeah, you could say Dan Neal, Jack Clark, Dan Ballard and players like that, who are our best players, are actually the ones who have played games. Um, there's just, oh, I, I don't know, we're repeating ourselves really and there's probably people listening going, well, I know all this and it's true and I just don't know what else to say because I feel like I'm just beating the dead horse but that that's just a fact. It's a matter of fact, isn't it? It, just, it is what it is. I mean, I put in the group today as well after reflecting a bit. We, I, I don't think we appreciate how good Niall Huggins was and how much balance he brought to that team. Um. I know he got injured after a bit. Was it the Coventry game? So we'd already been spanked then anyway. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I don't think we appreciate how how much of a, a a talent he is and what he brought to this team because he was exceptional. And since he's been injured, we've had to chop and change him right back to left back just to fit people in, just to get a bit of balance, shall we say? And it's just, it's just, it's an absolute mess. It is a mess. 
I'm going to go to listeners' questions because I feel like every question I'll ask will just come back to the same thing. Um, and in a way, like I don't think we need to do this podcast in many ways because we know what the answers are going to be. Like it's hitting you so hard in the face as a fan. The fan base is getting hit so hard in the face with what the answers are. Pretty much anyone could do this podcast, if I'm completely honest with you, in my personal opinion. But we can't just not do the podcast because we can't just do it when we're good or when we fancy it. It's just not really what we've signed up for, I guess. So we'll go to listeners' questions <laughs> and hopefully get a bit of humour here, Dave. Um, we took some humorous ones in, but I thought I'd chuck this one at you because you're the chef. What has Speakman been cooking this season? <laughs> Crystal meth. <laughs> Science. <laughs> Love a bit of breaking bad. Uh, it's a good question, though, isn't it? It's like, I mean, again, we're going back to the same answer, probably, but like I said about the um, the Beal appointment, I said they had to go right for a speakman, I thought. And it's already, already three weeks on, Dave. Um, I'll change the question a bit just to see just so we can talk about something different, um, is is there anything that Speakman could do now for you, Dave, that would kind of change your perception that I think, you know, me and you have, have had about them for a little bit longer than we probably would like to have had? In order to save you the editing, um, I won't go with the obvious answer, which is very, very, yeah. I mean, Brad's gone with resign. That that's a little bit, um, a little bit softer than what I was going to go with. But yes, resign, Christian. That would be lovely. Thank you. Or put in the millions of pounds that you have saved from the Crystal Meth Lab and <laughs> buy this Lionel Messi. <laughs> do you think? That, um, like, do, do you honestly? Do, do you think though? Because I know, like. I think you can sometimes question head of recruitment. You can sometimes question chairman, managers, and whatnot. Um, but if a chairman goes, or a head of recruitment goes, or a director of football goes, it does like not rip the carpet up, but it it does start things again. Do you think because of how poor the recruitment's been in the past? I'm going to say the past three windows. I don't think the recruitment's been good enough in the past three windows, and I don't think the appointment, his most recent appointment has been good either. Um, but is is there a way back for Speakman? Because I know we're seeing resign and stuff like that and having a bit of laugh about it. But do you think there is a... Is there a way for him to turn the fan base? Not a way back, like because I know some people still like really rate Speakman and that's completely fine to do so. <laughs> but is there a way back for Speakman? Is there anything that you could do in the coming months to kind of make people go, well, hang on a minute? I think, I think the obvious answer is... Is, is the management position, isn't it? I think the management position is absolutely huge. Um, it's not good enough to just have a head coach. And I understand that there's a lot of coaches out there who, you know, poet, for example, <clears throat> and before anyone goes in on the comments, I'm not suggesting we get Gustavo Poyet back. I am not seeing that whatsoever. But it does prove that with a head of recruitment, Hoyek can still get in the type of player that he wants and get them playing to a certain identity. Albeit, we could argue that that didn't necessarily go right in the long term. But you need a much, much, much 
stronger character, figure, coach, manager, whatever you want to call them, you need a much bigger person than Michael Beale. And I said it before, he got appointed till the end of the season. I thought this would turn turn toxic for, for Dodds, and I still believe it will. Um, it's too big a job. It's too big a job for a, for a novice. It's as simple as that. And unfortunately, while I, while I wasn't prepared to call him out on it, I also wasn't prepared to believe the Leeds at home hype winning 1-0 because Dodds oversaw getting beat off Cheltenham and getting beat off, was it Shrewsbury? Um, and I just wasn't prepared that he could do any better with this group of players than what he did back then. Um, I still maintain that the Leeds game, whereas everyone was kind of like tactical masterclass, I think Leeds weren't on their day. And I think that contributed a lot. And I'm I'm not going all in on him. I think he's I think he's a lovely bloke. I think he's got the potential to be a very good coach. Dare I say it in the mould of Michael Beale, because I don't think he's gonna go on anywhere and become a successful head coach slash manager. Mike Dodd's burner big... account. <laughs> yeah, God, we just need another one of them this season, don't we? Just him being dead, um, just him being dead nice on his burner account to everyone, being like, ah, oh, everyone's oh. signed. It it is he is clearly a, a really nice bloke and a really well respected bloke. How many times have we said it before? Um, and and not just us. There's a lot out there, but how many people have said anyone who has done half respectively at this football club in terms of leading it management wise has always been an extension of the fans. I see it repeatedly. I almost say it as much as Bowers goes on about bloody clean sheets. And that bores the living daylight out of me as well. But anyone who's done respectably here has I'm always me. been <laughs> has always been an extension of the fans. That's Allardyce. That's King. That's Poyet was probably the one flair one without the. He still had a bit of a head loss in him, didn't he? But really, one, eh? like... yeah, exactly. And and I think that's where we've got to go. Someone. Whereas we would say passionate and hardworking and graft-like is what Michael Beale would tell you, that we don't like Cockneys. That's where you are from is irrelevant. Do you know what gets me the most about this, though? What gets me most about all of this is, like, I don't think they will bring anyone in like that. Like, if you're asking, if I'm answering my own question here, what could Steepman do? Or what KLD do? What could those high up do to change the um, to change the narrative around what's happening at Sunderland at the minute? It would be actually relatively simple. I'd agree with what you said about bringing in someone who's like someone who's big enough to kind of galvanize the club. Dare I say it? Like a you know, like a Sam Allardyce, a Peter Reid. A, I know you. He's not the. I know we wouldn't have him back, but Alex Neil did that job temporarily. Um, but also we need to change the model a bit because you can bring in someone who's like, got like leadership and experience and tactical nous, but if you don't give them the tools and you give them just a bunch of kids, it's not going to work. Because Tony Mowbray struggled with it. 
like Alex Neil before him, we didn't really get to see how much he would struggle with in the championship. But I know that he would have come up at one point and been like, but I don't have the right tools here. And I don't I don't think they're going to change or deviate from this. And for me, that's probably where my level of apathy comes from. But um, Brad, we haven't actually got that long left, weirdly enough. So we'll go through a few more listeners' questions. Um, I once put lots of chopped chilies in an omelette which I made for my mum, which didn't end well. Who would you spike with chilies out of Sunland Club? Who would I spike with chilies? <laughs> mm, We've honestly Steve got Davidson. to this point. We've honestly got to this point in Steve this Davidson, podcast. Christian Speakman. Can only have one. What am I more pissed off about? Black Cats Bar or the team Steve Davidson I think he's got less credit in the bank <laughs> I think it's a fair shout give you another one uh, as lots of people have seen I was a big fan of the Willy Wonka experience in Glasgow had a lot of fun with that which players would be performers in the Willy Wonka experience bear in mind that we have the unknown which could be a list of players at this point Um, at this Willy Wonka experience yeah Hmm. Oh, I think it would be Christian Speakman because if he was chocolate, he'd eat himself. Yeah, Willy Wanker. <laughs> I, I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be fair, he chuck the lot in them at the minute. Yeah, bow and bow, and it is. It's just yeah, yeah. I I agree with that. It, it's worrying, Graham, isn't it? That we we're trying to have a laugh about it, but. Ultimately, we love Sunland, and mm. it is hurting because, and I shouldn't think like this, Huddersfield two years ago were in them playoffs, and now they're fighting for their lives to stay up, and we look like we're going on the same trajectory at the moment. It's a good question here, and Dave's randomly fell off the air. Uh, Dave's had enough, he's gone. Um, this is a good question, though. There's a, we'll go with a couple of serious ones. Um from Stephen, I think it's a really important question, um, not because I care about finances, but because I care about the the future of our football club, which is like the younger generation and people being introduced to the football club. What impact do you think the last few months will have on season ticket renewal numbers? Because I actually think it'll be bigger than you'd anticipate. I think it'll be massive. I think there's a lot of people who have actually... It's the... It starts with a Black Cats bar debacle, and it sh- I shouldn't keep going back to it. Look, it's in the past, it's gone. But that has upset a lot of people, and you've displaced six, six, well, four to 6,000 people there anyway. Because it came on the back, though, as well, of a stupid appointment and things that had gone up. It wasn't just the one thing and everyone just turned their back. It was concerns that people had for ages and ages and ages, which we allude to a little bit at points, really yeah. big like really alluded to it at other points. And it was like everything came to fruition and you kind of went, well, hang on. And that's why it was so big as well, because it also came off the back of a load of stuff. We did a pre-season review um, where we talked about our hopes for the season. And we had to have like a 10 minute segment on off the field stuff where you couldn't get tickets and like you couldn't get shirts and like the, the marketing element of it was crap. I mean, it was only, what, a year ago when we did that really bad advert. Do you remember the bad advert to buy season tickets? If they do that again, we're going to have an E1 left. Well, 
the thing is that everyone had these concerns last season, but they were trying, like, had all these problems buying tickets and getting merchandise. But there was a feel good factor, so people were persistent and saying, "Look, at all costs, I'm going to make, I'm going to get there, I'm going to buy them." The way it's been this year, a lot of people will think, "You know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to put me itself out of six hundred quid here if you can't be asked." I mean, I, I think I said yesterday, Joe Speakman's gone. I'm not going to go, but that's just spite. Now Archie wants to keep going for some reason. So I'll have, to, I'll have to buy mine again, but I'll make no gripes about it. I'll not be doing everything I've done in the past where I've been chucking in holidays on weekends I'm in to make sure I'm going. I'll get someone else to take them. Ultimately, they're not bothered about that because they're still getting my money. But there's a lot of people who look at it and think, you know what, nah. If you just can't be bothered to get it right and treat us with a bit of respect and ultimately like appreciate what you've had and how much the fans have give back to the club. But why should we keep doing that? And if you look back to, I think it's been mentioned on other podcasts, like the promotion season previously, there's been less than 30,000 people there. Mm. And I don't think they understand how close they are to that happening again. I think, look, I'll, I'll disagree slightly just to end the pod here. Well, I'll disagree slightly. I think no matter what me, you, Dave, whoever on this podcast says about, like, I've had enough, we'll go back. We're part of that core 25,000 that we could get shite chucked on our face and told that some of the worst club in the world by our board and we'd still go because we're just born into it. I mean, I've travelled from Glasgow during the league one years. I'm into it. That's it. I'm done. And we might say we might not. What I worry about is those on the fringes, the ones that make it up to the 40,000 every single week that have found a renewed interest in something and found a purpose again and found a reason to go. And whether you think, you know, they're not the proper fans or not, they're the ones that can become like fanatics like we did when we were young and I think that's where we're going to lose them but um, it's not been a positive pod let's let's bring it to a close um, do you can want I to feel like... one quickly Graham uh, potentially I don't know probably not quickly would you stick with Dodds or would you try to change it now uh, I think Steve Cooper's available and therefore that should happen. But I don't think that's Mike Dodds' fault. I think that's just part and parcel of the fact that he shouldn't be in the position he's in. And it's a stupid decision that came before having to appoint him, which has completely fucked us. Should we leave yeah, it at that? Yeah. <laughs> God, what a wonderful podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, everyone. <laughs> I'm sad. Bring on Lester. <laughs> And the pretzels are finished. Right.